Welcome to the Modern Marketing Today podcast. I'm your host, Matt Langan. In this episode, we are discussing how when headless CMS first emerged as a concept, it confused marketers as it differed from the traditional template-driven approach of content management. However, this changed as marketers began reusing content across multiple channels and devices. Headless CMS allows for content to be updated once and distributed seamlessly across various platforms. And over time, headless CMS platforms have evolved to include visual editing capabilities and cloud-based solutions. These platforms address the challenges of integrating functionalities like e-commerce, search, and email marketing, offering marketers the flexibility to compose tailored campaigns using different APIs. To optimize the power of a headless CMS, it's imperative for marketers to look for an experienced partner. For our conversation, I sat down with Content.ai MVP's Brian McKeever, who's also the co-owner at BizStream, and Akshay Sura, who is the founding partner at Kenobos Inc. And I hope you enjoy our conversation today. And Brian and Akshay, welcome and thanks for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Awesome. Well, great. Well, let's really kick it off and talk about the evolution of headless CMS. So really, can you share the evolution of headless CMS in the market? And we'll go with Brian on this one. Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, for a second, we should touch on just why headless is even around, right? And if you go back years past, a lot of organizations and developers and marketers used traditional CMS. You know, think of like a WordPress or even almost like a SharePoint or something where you had an installable product. It had a database. It had features that were more than just content management, right? You you could create and publish content, but you could do things like blogs and forums and add e-commerce, have user accounts, do all these things that websites needed. And that started to become an issue for organizations that wanted to really have a multi-channel experience or a, a way to distribute content in more than just one place for one small issue. And then second issue would be the the presentation of the website was kind of tied to what that all-in-one CMS could do or that, that traditional CMS. So, you know, marketing teams generally don't like to be kind of tied down by just what software can do. So there started to become this need for a, a new breed of CMS that allowed marketers to distribute content in many channels in many different ways and have whatever presentation layer they wanted and something that any design any technology stack even that they worked in to, to just allow them to open that up and be a little bit more free. And that's where headless CMS really came about. You know, it, it evolved from the need of being able to power a website with the same content that maybe powers a native mobile app or a paid search components of your search campaign or even a smartwatch app. It just, you know, one place to publish, centralize and, and keep track of all that content and treat it purely like content, you know, have a, a real good content model that could be reused to eliminate the fact of like, I have to go edit this application. Now I have to go to the next application and the next application. And it was all these challenges and a lot of duplicate entry when you start thinking across channels. So that's where Headless really started to strongly come about. And since then, it's really evolved from, from the beginning of at the on the onset, these were really like tools that allowed you to do that really great content management and distribute it over an API. Um, but in the last couple of years, they started to add a lot more features in terms of 
personalization and allowing that to happen, um, being able to be added into composable solutions with other APIs and have sort of native tie-ins and integrations, even things like combining an app marketplace into their CMS. So it was easy for marketers to just add in tools that existed like a search engine or a forms engine to, to be able to create a modern experience on, on the sites that they needed to. So the tools have really come a long way. You know, they, they're still great at content management. They're great at translation, but I'm excited about where it's going because now a lot of the, the most modern CMSs, they're, they're SaaS based, they're in the cloud, they're high powered around the globe and even touching into artificial intelligence and adding native capabilities that headless CMSs are helping you create content even faster as opposed to just distribute it. So it's exciting because the market and the tool set, the platforms, they seem to change so, so much so fast. And it's awesome for someone like Akshay and myself to be a part of, because we could just be a part of that change and provide feedback to these tools. And I'm really excited to see where it's going. That's great. Thanks, Brian. And let's talk about challenges. So what challenges is headless CMS really solving for brands? And we'll go with Akshay on this one. Yeah. Um, I mean, Headless CMS has solved quite a different variety of um, challenges. I think Brian touched upon a couple of them. One of them is omni-channel delivery, right? Um, who knows what's going to come out next in the future, like the Apple Vision or the VR or AR. And what it's letting the content authors and marketers do is to create that content and be able to use it anywhere. And I think that's the best part. Uh, some of the other aspects are just being able to use a wide variety of developers. You're no longer stuck with a traditional monolithic CMS, which only can be developed in a specific language as opposed to now it opens it up. And then that touches upon the cost uh, for a brand to actually have it running for them. They're no longer attached to a very expensive resource who is very specific to a particular CMS. So that, that helps them future-proof quite a bit. Most of these headless CMSs with the JavaScript frameworks or even .NET, you're allowed, you're able to scale a lot faster um, because there's uh, services out there like Vercel or Netlify who are able to take that content, make it so fast that it's available to people closer to where they are. Um, I've also found that security-wise, because it's disconnected, there it's a lot more secure and you don't have to try hard enough to be secure it's by default you work that way um, i would say though is one of the challenges it, it doesn't solve even though um, we are talking about the challenges it does solve is the headless cmss are now moving towards the middle is what the term is i think in the industry which is the need for marketers to be able to use visual editing in order to make it easier for them to compose content specific for the web channel of course but that's something they're having to provide because that's a big part of the need. But we're also seeing areas where we use content in other channels like mobile or kiosk or anything else, right? So yeah, it, it, it solves quite a few problems. As you're talking, I just heard like the ownership of the platforms, the overall maintenance, basically getting out of upgrade cycles and having your, your staff focus on adding value to the organization through developing more of their product as opposed to worrying about like, oh, I have to upgrade this server or I have to migrate from this cloud or that. Now, a lot of that goes away with a lot of these modern headless CMSs. 
That's great. Appreciate you both sharing those insights there. So really overall, and I'm sure we've touched upon this, but it's good to go a layer deeper is, you know, how can marketers use headless CMS in their overall content strategy? And we'll go with Brian on this one. Yeah, I think anytime that you you think about overall content strategy, it really comes first to having a really thoughtful content model. The content model should be the heart of your strategy, right? Being able to understand what types of content you have, what taxonomies you have, how to basically create content that is something that can be shaped for a blog post and then extract it out to be used for like an email blurb in marketing automation to that blog post. And then maybe the same type of titles and summaries be able to be used in social. So when you have a content model that says, yeah, we need to have a title and a body, but oh, we need a couple other fields to power all of our other channels. It really helps marketers have a kind of a total view of the way that content is going to be used and allows them to to have good governance around like, hey, if we actually use all of the fields in our model, if we set up things correctly, if we if we tag them the right way, categorize them the right way, and maybe even support that with rich uh, assets and in like an asset library in, in the CMS, you open up a lot of possibilities to do more than just the website. So strong content model is something that headless CMSs are really just, they force you to do as long as you're in, implementing it the right way. And I, I highly recommend that. I think that really is like the number one thing to having a sound digital strategy. And then from there, you know, it, it allows them to just kind of operate faster. You know, something that, someone has to think about, well, where can we go and what Word document has this marketing campaign wording that we need to use for this? No, you, you just log into your CMS, you search for the type of content you want, and then you're right away using it. And it allows the, the marketers to really be independent of the development teams in a way because they can maybe connect to uh, other systems and use like a low-code, no-code solution with that content to use uh, integration tooling like Zapier or something to automatically connect to a CRM or, or other systems if they need to. So it just, it's really like a good sound foundation that allows you to use other tools in the space to deliver content faster, just to be a little bit smarter and really like save yourself time from like duplicate entry and, 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 and things that maybe just get in the way. So I think, you know, one vendor is called like reducing content friction in a way is what headless CMS should do for your organization. Excellent. And Akshay, can you explain to us what it really is mock architecture? Mock stands for microservices, API first, cloud native, and headless. That sounds like a mouthful. <laughs> but it's basically a software architectural approach, mainly to give uh, companies scalability and flexibility, right? So basically microservices is instead of writing a huge application, you break it up into smaller reusable pieces so they can be maintained, serviced, uh, separately so that they don't affect each other as much, but they work together as one unit uh, when needed or different parts of it. Uh, API first, again, uh, the whole thing about headless is it's API first. Um, and in the composable space, that helps you a lot in terms of how you interact with the application. It's just, and they follow specific standards for that. Uh, cloud native, which is super important because all of it, like Brian made the really good point of there's no point in us hosting things and worrying about up upgrades being their own projects. If it's cloud native day services, so for instance, content.ai, which Brian and I both uh, are MVPs for, they are cloud native and 
when they do upgrades, we just get notified upgrades happening. These are the features and that's it. We don't need to create a special project to run through it. And that's what Cloud Native provides. And headless architecture, like we just talked about the rest of the thing, rest of the podcast, it just allows us to decouple the front end and back end and helps us be a little bit more flexible and nimble in using the content in different areas. I'd reinforce what you're saying, actually, in terms of the composability aspect of this type of an architecture. It, from a marketer standpoint, it, it really allows you to bring in best of breed tools. So say you have an existing marketing automation platform, I don't know, Marketo, Eloqua, whatever. You don't have to like abandon that just because you're bringing in a CMS. You, you can still leverage that and use it because it provides APIs. Those APIs should plug in to your own CMS APIs. And they should also, you know, if you have a, uh, an internal product data set, a PIM or, or uh, an ERP that provides APIs, it, it allows you to stitch all those things together in ways that other traditional all-in-one architectures or monolithic architectures just, that, that's just super hard. So I think that if that term is new to you, th this mock concept, I encourage you to check out a lot of the concepts that are on the web about it because it is, it's revolutionary in terms of what it can do for developers and for, for marketers. Yeah, that's really good stuff. And I appreciate both of you taking your time to speak with us today. And our last question is really future focused. So how is mock architecture future proofing and revolutionizing for brands in the marketplace? And we'll go with Brian on this one. Yeah, it's kind of a piggyback of a little bit of my last answer too. the fact that it's doesn't um, the, the mock approach, it, it doesn't really fully lock you into one thing. It's not like all of your data is in one place and to make a change, it may take a six month period to migrate out or put in something new in terms of platform or framework. Because you're basically using small microservices, different APIs, best of breed approach that you're plugging together, it's simpler to basically say, hey, in the future, if we're not happy with our email marketing platform, we can swap just that part out and we don't have to worry about months and months of what about all the other stuff that was tied to that. And that would be the case in like a traditional architecture. So it, it, it gives really agility to organizations to make changes quickly. So I think that really does a lot of the future proofing that we're talking about. And, you know, as I mentioned before, it's, it is a revolutionary approach and you should be able to try new things, you know, get into that latest AI uh, trend of, uh, generative images or 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 text, uh, because that's something that should be easy to just add in and try in small samples. And then when you're happy with it, you can start using it almost right away. There's just low barrier to entry. It 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 opens up that flexibility. It gives you composability. And thank you, Brian and Akshay, for joining us today. And big thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. If you're interested in staying up to date on the latest best practices, lessons learned, and proven strategies for leveraging innovative technologies and headless content management systems, be sure to visit modernmarketingtoday.com. I've been your host, Matt Langan, and until next time, so long.